Have you ever worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Welcome to the latest episode of the It's Canon Podcast. We are your hosts, your hostesses with the mostesses with the grossesses. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by the one, the only, you're, he's wearing glasses right now, Phil. Hey. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, it's gonna be a long day. Oh yeah, you, you didn't touch the button. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 hey, hey, we, we survived that intro. We're actually recording. I'm not stopping. We're gonna keep All going, right. even though you made me laugh. Welcome everyone to the It's Cannon podcast for another week of an awesome double show. We have some awesome topics to talk about. On today's show, you're gonna be listening to Phil and I talk, rant, muse joke about all of the news and all the happenings in the world of everything of geekdom of fandom of collecting of whatever it is we feel like talking about and then on wednesday for part two we will be talking about all things toys collecting buying browsing exclusives and we will be joined by an awesome guest from Toy Wizards, Lauren Stone. And that's on Wednesday. But today, we're going to be talking about all things news. Bill, it's been a couple weeks. It's summer. It's hot as balls outside. <laughs> How are you? How's everything? I'm sweating. Sweating, yeah. buddy. Um, you know what? Things are good, you know? Everything's uh everything's just ticking along with this COVID situation and the world and you know it's uh again catching up on shows I'm I'm finished up I think on Snowpiercer if it's a ten episode season I definitely got to the end of that woof and then so you know and I gotta watch the movie now um just to comparatively see what the heck is going on in that theater. Yep, so I'm a little behind in Snowpiercer, so we will not talk Ooh. about Snowpiercer. I do apologize, because I know some listeners love my Snowpiercer ramblings, especially when it comes to the one, the only, the beautiful, my future ex-wife. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It just feels so weird. I don't know, like, seeing somebody that, you know, you saw so many years ago... And then she still kind of got it 
at her age, and she's you know she gives a great performance. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll she's a that. great actress. Like she, she, she's really good in the show. Like all things, all joking aside, um, she adds a cool element. Um, the way that she plays the Melanie character is really cool, um, and I think you know seeing her as a villain-ish type character um, is different, but it's also cool and refreshing. Um, so yeah, she's been great in the show. And to be honest, like it's just cool seeing these these actors that we saw when we were much younger, um, you know, still go at it and still do their thing today. Um, so that's Snowpiercer. Um, you know, we're gonna talk about things we're watching and playing. So over the past few weeks, uh, Netflix has released a lot of new and exclusive content. They've also released their top 10 most viewed exclusive movie list. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before anything, Phil, we have a very special birthday that I just want to call out because it's near and dear to my heart. And you're looking at me like, what the fuck is he going to say? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop on this one. <laughs> Who did I miss? So happy 25th birthday to Cher Horowitz and clueless well, happy birthday <laughs> <laughs> 25 years ago today clueless was released in theaters and paul rudd looks exactly the same 25 years ago as he does today that man has not aged a day i yeah it's i want his superpower i'm telling you um it's it's unbelievable because if if i think a couple like last year there was a first you feast episode where they eat chicken wings. It's a YouTube show. Hot ones. And Paul, yeah, hot ones, yeah. And that episode just killed me. Yeah, he does this trick with the iPhone and the camera to make everybody look like they got a little dinghy hanging out or it's a cooter or whatever. And I just, man, oh man, that guy just cracks me up every time. I love his Ant-Man role. I love everything about what he does in, in that kind of stuff. And uh, I do find myself watching the occasional romantic comedy with Mr. Paul in it, too. I just I find myself watching the occasional romantic comedy on a regular Tuesday evening, get a little uh, glass of rosé out, watch some rom-com, you know, little Boris time. <laughs> it's a way to live, man, right it after is. you finish your Golden Girls run, you know? <laughs> Yep, that's something new you learned about Boris today. Boris watches and collects Golden Girl toys. Yeah, now, if they were to ever the make toys, you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> if they were to ever make Gilmore Girls toys, oh, you know, oh. I'm like, on first in line. Yeah, I'm sure there's some Korean factory cranking them out right now. Just get the Gilmore Girls now. Everybody needs them. Yeah, Boris will be there. Oh, I'll, I'll be there. And it's funny because the song actually has the words "I'll be there," and I was gonna start singing, but it's it's too warm for that right now. It's too warm. It's too it's warm. Stinky hot. Oh, well, you know when you wake up at nine a.m. and it's forty degrees Celsius with humidity, you know it's gonna be a hell of a warm day. Yep, we just had the storms run through as well. So knock on wood, they don't trash the entire province here. But uh, and there's a little bit of relief coming, but yeah, it's hot. It's hot everywhere, I think, in North America. Yeah, it is. So and and apparently it's going to be a heat wave for like the next week or so throughout uh, 
the North America. So, you know, Netflix, like I mentioned at the top of the show, has a lot of exclusives coming out right now. And one of the new TV shows that I made Phil watch, I don't know how far he's gotten into it or if he's even started it, um, but I wanted to talk about it right now. And it's this show called Warrior Nun. I haven't started it, my friend. I'm about three episodes in, and I still have no fucking idea what I am watching. (laughs) This does not bode well. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, okay, let me set this up. So it starts off like a Kevin Smith movie in the sense that you have a bunch of literal nuns in Rambo gear fighting demons with guns and you have a girl who's dead on a table who somehow gets something stuffed inside of her and i know that sounds all kinds of wrong but (laughs) then random shit happens then more random shit happens then she escapes then she meets up with these random people who just automatically take her in and feed her food and give her you know a roof over her head and and you know hilarity ensues and then you have a flip side of the story where you have these demons and you have this priest and you have the vatican and it's just i don't even know what's going on and i'm like i said i'm three episodes in and so much has happened but yet nothing has happened just yet it's, it's one all of those gonna come together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, uh, I'll start watching that. I, I, I watched the Old Guard. Yes, that that came up on my my Netflix feed, and you know what? That was a great movie. I'm not gonna spoil it or anything, but I thought the writing, production, acting, everything about it, uh, obviously graphic novel. Um, it was just super well done. I cared about the characters for such a weird premise or different premise, um, and you know it worked. It, it worked yeah. really well for me. You know, Char- I, I, Charlize Theron is such a great actress, especially in these like um, these action flicks. Um, she's so good. Old Guard comic book um, by Greg Rucka. Uh, you know, I, I read it. I'm not. I wasn't a big fan of the art style, but that's not a reason to not like a comic book overall. Um, and I thought the story was great, and I have to say, because um, Greg Rucka was involved in the actual Netflix project, it stayed so true to the feeling and the premise of the comic book that it was just so, so well done, and I can't wait to see more. Yeah, it leaves it wide open, obviously, at the end for um, for more in whatever fashion. Like I said, I'm not going to spoil it, but... I was sitting there going, man, I wish this was, I, I wish I wasn't going to have to wait a couple of years for the next movie. I wish it was more like a, a mini series or a show like, like that, that where I could be like, well, where's the next episode? Give it to me now. I, I want to know what happens. I want to know where this goes. I want to know more about these people and this power. I want to know. Yeah, it was just, it was very compelling I, and hats off to them because I, I know that we've all seen the Netflix shows come on. And we go, oh, that's going to be fun. And it's just a train wreck of garbage, right? Like you, you get halfway into the movie and you're like, oh, i got to turn this off. And, you know, it, it either works or it doesn't. And this one worked. But I'm a, definitely... I'm a big fan of train wrecks sometimes. Like that um, uh, Ryan Reynolds Netflix movie. <laughs> the Michael Bay one. Yeah. <laughs> that one is so garbage, but yet it's exactly what I wanted to watch at that point in time. 
I, I know I have this litmus test where my dad, who loves action movies, I give him movies like that, and then he's like, I'll see him, and he'll be like, I turned that shit off. <laughs> and I'll be like, all right, this is definitely a train wreck movie, because I couldn't tell, because the production was so high. And I'm like, I'm feeling conflicted, but I'm still going to watch it, because I'm curious. Yeah, my litmus test is it's one of to those the old movies man. that you know would have done great in the mid to late '90s, early 2000s. You know, Ryan Reynolds drinking some Mountain Dew, eating Doritos because it's so extreme of a movie. You know, Michael Bay explosions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it was fun. I, I I liked it, but I do agree that was that was in the train wreck category to me. And so not honestly, not not the Riverside train wreck, it, more Riverdale. like the Snowpiercer train wreck. Ah, Snowpiercer train wreck. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, I you, swear you, God, you got it. some some TV coming to you. Oh, there, that's oh shit. Now I'm worried. Now I'm concerned. We'll see. It went places. It went places. Um, yeah, so one of the things, you know, we were talking about Netflix exclusives and things like that, and, um, yeah, they, they've been releasing so much recently, it is absolutely crazy how much they've been releasing, um, and a lot of it, like, it just, it's, it's been perfect timing overall, um, but, yeah, so Netflix released their top 10 biggest movie openings, um, I'm trying to see, so Bloomberg released a list of the top 10 movies that received the most views over their first four weeks. The Bloomberg article doesn't say, but it's assumed these are worldwide numbers as Netflix has 182.8 million subscribers worldwide, including 69.9 million in the USA as of <laughs> April 2020, according to the New York Times. It's also worth mentioning that a view for Netflix is only two minutes because that's how long wow. enough to indicate the choice was intentional. All right. So these are Yep. Yeah, this is just framing things up. So like I said, their first four weeks, number ten, the perfect date with forty-eight million. Number nine, the platform with fifty-six million. Number eight, the wrong mess Missy with fifty-nine million. Number seven, Triple Frontier with 63 million. Number six, The Irishman with 64 million. Number five, Murder Mystery with 73 million. Number four, we were just talking about this movie, Six Underground with 83 million. Number three, Spencer Confidential with 85 million. Number two, Bird Box with 89 million. And topping the list, is Chris Hemsworth's own Extraction with 99 million. That was a good movie. Extraction? Yeah, I like that. I well, actually I haven't seen it actually. I've seen a bit of it. Uh, I know I'm going to like it. My dad watched it all and loved it. So he's just like it's very very violent. <laughs> <laughs> I I love like you're so right like hearing my parents reactions to movies is sometimes the funniest thing humanly possible. Yeah, it, it's like having a time capsule, right? Cuz they see things from when they thought shit was cool. And then if our stuff isn't cool, they're not afraid to call it out. They're they're just like, "No, nah, that's bullshit." <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. But if I make fun of my parents' telenovela, my god, I will still get my ass kicked. Yep. 
Yep, I'm telling you, my dad, spaghetti westerns, man. Ooh. Oh, oh all he watches, the old John Wayne. What about the Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Clint Eastwood, yeah. Any, anything western. I, I showed him, what was it, the 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 last one with Chris or Chris Chris Pratt and everybody in it. And uh, this, it's basically the Seventh Samurai. Oh, yeah, uh, that one, yeah. It, because it's all based off of samurai movies, and that that blew my dad's mind. Because I'm like, I have Akira Kurosawa, you know, his movies in my collection. And I'm like, you know, this is the foundation of this western that you love, and he's just like, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, lots of dramatic, tense standoffs, and yeah. you know, all kinds of things happen in these things. Yeah. So right now, you you know, now you brought up a natural segue into a video game. But I still want to talk Netflix, so we will still talk Netflix, and then we'll jump into the video game that I know that we are both playing. Um, so before we jump there, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans are going to star in the next Russo Brothers Netflix exclusive film. Right there Ooh. alone, I am sold. Yep, sign me up. Let's check it out. I'm, uh, I'm excited for that, whatever it is. Unless it's a romantic comedy. Oh, then I'm even more excited. Well, actually, yeah, you're right. No, I think about that. I have to recant it and go, you know what? I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Gotta man. see what that ha that looks like. <laughs> yep. So, Phil, I think both you and I, we haven't really talked about it, but I, th I think I saw when, you know, on uh, PlayStation that we, we were both playing the same game, and that is... You know, the game that came out on Friday that I think yep. is getting favorable reviews, and that is Ghost of Tsushima. Um, what are your initial thoughts on playing, and roughly how many hours have you put into the game so far? All right, so I'm going to preface this with a little bit of a backstory. This is not the game from Mr. Phil. Um it's a it there's a component of this game that's indicated by the title that there's going to be some kind of not kicking ass or kicking ass quietly as yeah. ghost would indicate so right there my rate it wasn't on my radar and then on the wednesday i guess the embargoes came off on yeah. the reviews and i watch a great reviewer called acg who i would recommend checking out his youtube channel um incredibly honest incredibly unbiased and you know it's just some reviewers just you know if they love a game it's probably going to come out of the gate pretty well for me yeah and then watching his review i decided all right let's sign up for this so i did the digital download for 89 bucks um the deluxe and it came in and you know what honestly it's everything that that garrick had mentioned in his review that it um the visuals are stunning the story is compelling the world is very open which normally is an alert for me but this whole wind system that they've incorporated into the guiding of your character is absolutely genius and and it declutters the game so you don't have to really monitor a hud you're actually monitoring the environment so there's a lot of bonuses to this game. Um, the draw rate is absolutely massive. Like if there's smoke on the horizon, you're going to see it 
from a very far distance away and the world's not filling in like sometimes last of us too the world kind of fills in or it chunks in in certain parts so if something looks like it's not there and then this highly detailed or this blurry building is there and then it becomes this highly detailed building so i'm like okay you know that's it's a little bit of the technology or whatever but it seems like everything is just crisp all the time in this game and to be honest sucker punch as well that was another house i played seconds on i played the infamous line um it was interesting to see their take on this and to see it accepted and, and well-reviewed. And yeah, I'm probably about, I don't, I don't think I'm huge into it yet. I'm just probably about six hours. Yeah, I'm about but, the same. I received my copy yesterday morning at 10.30 a.m. The Amazon man came a-knocking. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, overall, I'm about, you know, five, six, seven hours into it. I think the game looks absolutely stunning at times. There are also times where, you know, I think I need to preface this with saying that I play this on a PlayStation Slim. Phil plays this on his PS Pro. I've noticed that this has more clunkiness than Last of Us 2. The rendering Ooh. takes a little longer on Ghost of Tsushima than um, as it does on Last of Us 2. If there's a lot going on in the background at once, I do see the camera slightly going a little slower at times because it's, you know, it's trying to think. Um, but, you know, none of this goes against the game for me. Um, it's just the things that I've noticed. The one thing, I have two major issues with the game so far. Number one, is the controls, and I've always said this about you know modern day video game systems, and that is the more control you have as a character, the clunkier the overall character and movement feels. So there is a mission that I, um, it's a side mission that I did where I had to clear a bridge and there were a bunch of archers on various points on um, this, this mini mountain range um, and it just, it felt so hard to get to where I wanted to be. And I felt that, you know, if I wanted to jump to a specific place, it wouldn't jump there or it glitch out for a second. Um, or the consistency of the physics where if you would jump too high, sometimes you're fine. Sometimes you'll hurt yourself. Sometimes you'll die. Um, so that is, you know, one of the major issues that I found with the game. It's just the overall controls are a little weird. It does take a little getting used to. I can see where, um, and how this game might feel repetitive after a while. Um, but I know that the game is only about, you know, 20 to 25 hours. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel too bad, but I'm just saying, Hey, I can see where where it could be repetitive so i hope that you know the overall um uh fighting mechanisms and whatnot uh change up a little bit boss boss fights are really cool the one-on-one -on -one kind of like feels like a street fighter boss fight um those are really cool uh but yeah like like i said the overall um uh, you know the way that the character moves can be a little dodgy at times that's complaint number one complaint number two um and this is seems to only happen on main missions like phil mentioned it is an open world game but on main missions especially when you're following someone uh you cannot veer off the path that they give you because yeah. you will get a timer 
and I've died a few times because I'm like, oh, I can't even find where this person is right now, and I end up dying. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, for such an open world game, having these missions where you're constrained to a very small scope of the map and path, if you're not even following the path that they want you to take, you're going to die. That's kind of, a, you know, a, a, a piss off for me. So outside of those two things, I think the game is wonderful. I think the game is awesome. I think I'll be, you know, I'm going to obviously play the entire game. Um, you know, it's a nice little send off for PlayStation 4 because I don't think that there are too many exclusives left. Um, so I think it's a great game. I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, uh, you know, the story so far, I'm, I'm digging it. Um, and yeah, it's just, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's overall fun. For people listening, I think the best way that I could describe it as, as far as the genre that it is, is it's kind of like Red Dead Redemption meets Assassin's Creed. Um, so there's a little bit of jumping and rock stuff and, and, and whatnot. And Boris is absolutely right to call that out because I, there are a couple curse words came out of my mouth when I thought I could make a jump that apparently the game physics decided I couldn't, even though I'd made that jump already on other places, yep. uh, is, it is weird. And as well, I, you know, on one of the main missions into the new area, I was like, Oh look, the Fox den. And I had seen enough pictures to know what the hell was going to happen in there. And I tried to go in the fox den, and it's like, you can't go there. You have 13 seconds to get the fuck back to the mission. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, it was, it just came out of nowhere where I'm like, okay, I thought I could go anywhere. And because I was on mission, now that I'm not on mission, I finished up the, the first two pre-missions. I'm able to fast travel around the world and stuff like that, even though it is one of those things where I did a fast travel last night, and... I actually had to debate in my mind whether or not I should or shouldn't because I thought it might be more enjoyable to ride my horse through this beautiful terrain and absorb the the atmosphere that the game's creating. It almost felt like I was cheapening it by fast traveling, but I think I'm going to spend enough time in that saddle that it's not going to make a piddle of difference at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no. So overall, right now, I'm super happy with the game. But I just wanted to call those two things out because they're, it's you know, those are two things that actually frustrated me quite a bit to the point where I'm like, oh my god, I don't know if I like this game right now. And I got over it pretty quickly. But yeah, it was two things that just really frustrated, me, especially the mechanics and the physics of the game. Um, that that one really got to me. But uh, yeah, no, overall, it's a fun game. I'm having a lot of fun and. Um, you know, like I said, it's going to be a nice little send-off uh, for the yeah. PlayStation. But nothing's perfect, right? Especially exactly. with these complex games. And I'm going to have to check what setting I'm playing under on my PS4. Because I'm curious if I did the frame rate or the, you know, frame rate game or the draw. You know, the, the super high res or just go with the frames. Yeah. But I haven't noticed a lot of popping. But again, you're right. It's a different machine, so... Yep, different machines and and yeah so it is what it is and yeah it's it's we'll see we'll see we'll we'll, we'll touch base again when we've played more of the game um which as our listeners have noticed we kind of tend to do it's initial impressions then when we get far enough or one of us are done we talk about it again um but overall i'm 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 happy with the game uh so one thing um moving on i did also want to um talk about 
movie theaters. And I know we talk about this all the time, but it's such an interesting story that keeps changing and and evolving uh, week over week. And that's simply because just we don't know what's going on. Um, you know, especially in the States where people are seeing record numbers of infections of COVID-19 right now. And unfortunately, places like California have had to lock back down because um, it, it just happens when you're it's just out of hand right listen um but now analysts are saying that movie theaters could be closed until mid 2021 yeah like that is huge yep dank and moist dank Dank and moist moist. yeah no then and that is the me like again i'm not shocked i'm not surprised um, one thing is going outside, having a beer or a meal on a patio outside. Um, and another thing is watching a movie in a enclosed, very little space with a bunch of other people with minimal cleaning and whatnot. You can separate people all you want, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just your, it's well, recycled air. It's dirty. It's, you know, whatever. It's touching handrails. It's everything, right? Yeah. Common surfaces, all this stuff that we're now very acutely aware of. I was listening to Lou later. Um, and he mentioned a story about how Walmart, uh, uh, in the States, I guess, I haven't seen it up here, but in the States, they're actually holding uh, projections. They're doing drive-in movies at Walmarts because they have such large parking lots. And what they're doing is they're projecting the movie onto the side of the building yeah. and then coming out and basically selling shit to people so they can sit in their car and watch the movie. And he brought up the fact that why the hell isn't Cineplex doing this up here? Because, again, you have these huge parking lots that are empty. You've got monstrous walls with the theaters inside. Throw up a tarp and broadcast the movie and start popping the popcorn and selling the expensive drinks and everything else. Because that's a perfect way to mitigate this. I feel that really in Canada, the movie theater, like with Cineplex being the the only option that we have, they've really dropped the freaking ball on this. You know what the the issue, Phil, is that a lot of companies – just assumed that in a few months everything would be back to normal and it's as if COVID-19 never existed and it's all business as usual. Yep. That's honestly what a lot of people and companies and decision makers thought. And here we are. The reality of the situation is that yes, here in Canada, things are more under control than in other places. Things seem to be on the uptrend of getting better. However, there's still the threat that it could come back in a second harder wave the reality is that we have to take precautions and people overall you know on the one hand they want life to get back to normal but on the other hand they want to and understand that hey there's a real threat of so you know things are going to need to change so this is 100% on those decision makers um, who just refuse to put an extra cent in planning and maintaining their facilities. And guess what? You know, you're seeing you're seeing the, the, the repercussions at this point, in my opinion. Like, people just... Strategic planning was a lost art uh, throughout the pandemic. And unfortunately, you know, now companies are going to, to suffer. And I, I feel bad for, you know, the employees and whatnot. But I feel worse yeah. for the other people that are going to be effect, affected. Like, you know, cleaning service companies and things like that. Like, yeah, the, you can make an argument that, you know, business has never been better. But there's no business if these places are closed. 
and still shuddered. So, you know. I, I'm just thinking the missed opportunity, though. Um, it's like the lack of contingency. And I get it. Nobody can predict this. But, I mean, you got to think on your feet, right? So why don't you just take out a bunch of old movies like Back to the Future or something and throw it up on the side of the building? Because I'm sure, you know, when I go to the grocery store and I buy popcorn for the microwave, I'm looking at, you know, a $3 to $4 investment. When I go to a movie theater and I buy a bag of popcorn and a pop, we're talking like that's 20 bucks out of my pocket. So that's a pretty freaking high markup, all things considered. And if you can get the rights to broadcast old movies and create that, you know, drive in that experience for people and still be safe. You know, I, I was thinking about this uh, in relation to J July talk. They're putting on a show near where I live. And I was thinking about going. And ultimately, I decided not to because I'm worried about the common spaces. I'm worried about taking a piss in a place where everybody else is taking a piss. I'm worried about, you know, the actual functioning of myself in that environment or those common spaces was enough to discourage me. Because we're all fearful of uh, outbreaks and things like that. And I don't want to sit here and go, oh, you got a call because apparently you took a leak at the July talk concert. And um, now you may have COVID. You know, it's it's a really interesting thing that's happening. And I'm, I'm hoping there's contingencies to combat this. And my fears are not realized. And, you know, they have a line of porta potties that are outdoors. And, you know, they they flush them with Lysol after each use or whatever it is. But, you know, uh, it, it, it amazes me how, how little planning has gone on. And uh, I think Cineplex are taking the, the line that because the deal fell through with that UK buyout, that they, they were basically just sitting on their ass going, well, we're going to be bought anyway. So who cares how much money we lose? Well, apparently they lost so much money that it killed the deal it broke one of the conditions of the buyout. And obviously with the world being the world, that company's just like, the fuck out of here. We don't want it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not the time to rest on your loins and hope for the best. You know, you, a lot of companies have something to actually do and think about and plan for. Um, and you know, unfortunately the entertainment sector is going to take the biggest beating, um, because, you know, entertainment is just that. It's entertainment. It's kind of secondary to a lot of things like grocery stores and whatnot. So, you know, it'll be an interesting story to kind of see how this progresses. Um, yeah, and I, I do feel that the restaurants as well are getting beat down on this. And I, I my heart bleeds for everybody who's affected by all this stuff, whether you're working at the Cineplex movie, you're working at a restaurant, whatever. Do your best to support local business, order in, uh, you know, pull an app up or just call them direct and, and order a meal and uh, go pick it up or have it delivered. But do your best to support the, the restaurants and whatnot in the economy in your local area, wherever you may be. Yeah, All right. Exactly. So because of the way that the world is right now, people have been consuming a lot of their content indoors, at home. And like we talked about during our digital versus physical debate a couple weeks ago, you know, we were kind of thinking about and discussing how streaming services are doing. And to no one's surprise, Netflix has added 10 million new subscribers during Q2. 
That's a good number. Yeah. But their stock has taken a bit of a beating. Their stock has taken a beating. And the reason for that is because while they have gained 10, and this is why I hate stock markets and analysts and, <laughs> and, and speculation, because while they did add 10 million subscribers, now the question is, how are we, how is Netflix going to keep those 10 million subscribers? Will they keep those 10 million subscribers as the world goes back to normal? So, you know, while this quarter they did well, the next quarter they might not have as many subscribers or they might drop a few subscribers, you know, but, not, but analysts don't take a look at what's actually happening in the world. They just look at the final numbers because that's all they care about. And while I understand that, there's so much more that goes into a business and the numbers and, and whatnot. But it just it, I just hate that speculation drives stocks so much. Yeah, it's part of the world. But I think those analysts as well might be looking forward. I don't know. They might be looking because they, they usually get access to information that sometimes we don't get as public. So I'm thinking that they might be looking at, you know, the plate that Netflix has set out on the road ahead where it's like, well, we don't see anything compelling as far as these shows. They're all sleeper shows. I don't know. You know, it, there's, there's got to be something. So. Yep. But uh, yeah, so it could be sleeper shows. Could be like there's a lot of reasons why these analysts and whatnot do what they do. Um, like I say, they get the confidential information and they might have a, a good idea. Then, you know, they get blown away too when a show actually catches and works, right? Like it'll be a sleeper hit that absolutely destroys. You know, I, I think Bird Box or whatnot would probably be a movie that might look a little weird to an analyst and then it absolutely kills for Netflix, right? Where their their content is is actually getting really good, like we were talking about with Old Guard, and and whatnot. There's uh, and in the new Chris Hemsworth movie, there's a lot of good stuff that Netflix is doing. Obviously, the bigger the star, um, the more these analysts will bet on it. But hey, it's the stock market, and sometimes it's a shit show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and another topic. Or piece of info that we brought up while we were talking about video games and the whole digital versus physical debate um, was as it pertains to the record number of sales. And this is kind of in line with the Netflix subscribers. Um, yeah, so the numbers for June have come out and apparently spending across software, hardware, accessories, and game card they reached $1.2 billion in June. That's up 26% from the same time um, a month ago. Or, sorry, same time, a, same a year month enough. a year ago. Um, and it is the most spent for the month of June since 2009. Thank you, Last of Us 2. And obviously, that was a huge driver. Last of Us 2 being just such a massive massive hit in regards to sales um yeah. but yeah like july is going to be good with ghosts and and also with paper mario yes like nintendo's got another you know another follow-up to animal crossing that's probably going to do really well um so good for them and uh, i know that they're talking about production being restored for the switch things like that so some of the hardware stuff will be actually obtainable long as these buy bots don't keep on scooping them up and trying to theorize or speculate on the market as far as increased value and all that kind of crap just let people play their games let them get their content 
And yeah, it looks like digital is really kicking butt right now. That's for sure. You know, I, I think I bought, I've, I, I don't recall, I think my last physical game that I bought was Animal Crossing. And only because I was being stubborn and I wanted to go to the store. Like it was just before this pandemic stuff broke out. So, yep. so here's a fun little thing, fact about The Last of Us 2. Um, so clearly it is super popular and I'm talking so far away from the mic sometimes today. So I apologize on that. Um, it is 2020's biggest launch so far and it's the second biggest in Sony history. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, the numbers are just in absolutely insane. Um, and it's funny because, like, you know, we always talk about Xbox and Sony, and we always forget Nintendo. And anytime I look at these lists that have, you know, biggest sales, most numbers, whatever, there's always a few Nintendo games scattered across those lists, like Animal Crossing and whatnot. Um, so it's, it's, it's you know, you, you always have to remember that there's a third player, um, more of a niche market, but it's a third player. I. I would argue at this point, is Xbox even a player? You know, that's... Lack of exclusives is just a shit bomb. You know what? And they came out and they basically said, because we have so few exclusives, we're not even going to make you upgrade your existing console for a couple of years. Well, They're like, everything that's coming out on the new stuff will be backwards compatible on the old stuff, which good for them. All right. You know? But it really is just monetizing that game pass which is brilliant i i give them props where they're there but man the lack of exclusives are just weird all right phil you brought this up and this is actually the next subject i wanted to talk about <laughs> thank you for bringing this up and that is xbox um you know they had one of their vice presidents go out and essentially say the future of gaming is actually making your software work for all versions. It doesn't matter that you don't buy our latest version because it'll be backwards compatible. And the important thing is that you're playing a title, not buying our latest, greatest uh, system. You know, and, and to me, and it, it's, I love it because God bless um, Xbox stands because they're making this seem like this is the next big thing in gaming this is the greatest thing since sliced bread where only a few years ago you know they're like we own the market we have all the exclusive we have this we have that um and now that xbox is essentially and i know i'm gonna get a lot of heat for this but the reality is is that xbox right now is conceding defeat to playstation 5 before the pre-order lists have even come out yeah, you know what? It's going to be a complete battle about uh, not even selling the consoles, but selling the subscriptions for them. It's all going to be about this Game Pass. Uh, apparently in September, they're releasing the xCloud. So you're going to be able to virtually game, much like Stadia, uh, across all of your devices. Um, all the titles like Halo Infinite and whatnot will have a mode where they can be played on an Xbox One or One S or X. And then they'll have obviously enhanced uh, gameplay features on the new system when it comes out. The only way that they're going to counter some of this is getting in the market at a lower price. But even then, there's not a compelling catalog. You know, like Sony's just got that locked up because part of the fun is you get a new system and then you start playing the game that you bought with it. Yeah. Whether it's shit or not, you're stuck for a month or two 
sitting there waiting for more titles to fill into the market that you want to play. And at the same rate, you can go on to Sony's backwards, you know, window into online play and whatnot, the PS Now and stuff like that, where you can get access to other games through that. And then indie developers start crowding into that the marketplace and getting their games out at an accelerated rate and things like that. There are options, right, for non-exclusive stuff to hit on your new exclusive you know, game system. But man, day one, you're talking about Spider-Man. You're talking about a lot of stuff that's going to keep people entertained for a long time. Like they're not shit titles that they're launching with here. And you know what? Like Uncharted 5 is just waiting in the wings. Um, there's a lot of stuff. God of War 2. There's a lot of stuff sitting there that Sony can just pull out at a whim. Yeah, I was actually a little disappointed with some of the exclusive titles that they announced that there wasn't a huge one, and then I realized Sony don't even need to do that. They don't. Not they don't right even now. need to do it. Not right now. You know, right now the, the the cards are for Microsoft to show us what they have. But right now, you know, one hundred percent, in my opinion, Sony is just you know that is the true video game console. Um, and and again, and again, I know a lot of people will not agree with me, but the reality is that, you know, as it pertains to exclusive, as it pertains to what drives people to, to buy a video game, Sony understands, you know, the difference between PC gaming and console gaming. And I find that Xbox is still trying to think and determine yeah. what route they want to go to. Because, you know, when Xbox um, One came out, you know, a lot of speculation and rumors and innuendo kind of put them more into the they are going to treat their video game platform like a video game platform as and you know with cross um uh, well with, an entertainment platform a, an entertainment platform with cross compatibility pc and and xbox um and you know they were going to have this 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 trend but now they just seem so lost they don't like it from all the news that I'm seeing. Like, I just don't think that they have a true vision for what they want Xbox to turn into at this point. Well, I think what they've done quietly in the background is pick up a lot of indie studios and whatnot. So I think that they may have some cards up their sleeve, but they completely bottled the whole fucking thing with the Xbox, like the previous version. Yeah. And that just got right out of hand with this in exclusive stuff. And I, I remember Phil Spencer trying to tell me that Crackdown 3 was going to be their game of the year. Yeah. And I'm like, so I have Xbox, the Game Pass. I played it day one, Crackdown 3. It's a steaming pile of crap. Yeah. Like, for an exclusive. I, if you like the Crackdown series, you like the Crackdown series, you're going to go climb some buildings and shoot some guns. I, and it filled that void for, for you know, 30 seconds. I was happy me. Oh, yeah, I remember playing Crackdown 1. And it just feels like the same. So I get it, like, but it's not a triple A title. Yeah. It's, and that's the kind of stuff that you need to sell consoles. Because really, they're telling me all my games go backwards compatible in the new thing. So why the hell do I have to buy the new thing when my Xbox is working? Yep. Just exactly. put the game in there. That's the thing that, like, for me, I just don't understand is the messaging that they're coming, that they're making. It's like, you know, meanwhile, Sony is going to be raking in thousands of dollars per person for their new system with unbelievable specs and unbelievable exclusives. And there you have it. And one thing that I do want to call out that you did bring up is the fact that all of the Xbox exclusive aren't AAA titles. You know, they bought Rare. Rare has some awesome titles. But, you know, we haven't seen the next Killer Instinct. 
you know, we we we've no. we've seen battle toads, we've seen things like that, bullshit like that that you can download and whatever. No one gives a real shit about it in the grand scheme of things. But there's no title that's gonna entice me at this point to buy an Xbox. You know, there's a lot of rumors and innuendo out there that uh, Microsoft is looking to buy Warner Brothers Studios, um, yeah. the video game. And th- that would be huge for them. That would piss me off. But that would be huge for them, and that would be a big yeah, win Batman. for them. Exactly. The, the the whole Batman series and whatnot. And, you know, and, and that's that's great. But until I see signature on paper, until I see an announcement, it's all rumor yeah. and innuendo for me. Um, and and but meanwhile, you know, on the Sony side, you have exclusives on things like Spider Man, like that, just that alone. You know, Last of Us. Um, you have exclusive essentially of Final Fantasy remake for a few years. Uh, you have Ghost of Tsushima. You have so many exclusive that just like. It's on to me. It's just unreal how many exclusives they have, and you know, while we can argue all day about exclusivity, and whether that's good for business, when it comes to video games, clearly, Sony knows what they're doing, and they know how to captivate their their um their users, their their the consumers who are going to be using these games, because you know, I think. One thing Sony does understand is that a lot of people eventually are going to buy both systems, but what they're trying to do is making you buy their system first right now. Yeah, that's basically what it's come down to. If, if, if Xbox is sitting there saying, I don't need to buy it for a couple of years, well, it goes to the back of the line no matter what price point it comes in at. But, you know, I will give credit to Xbox on a couple exclusives that they have in-house, right? The Forza Horizon, Forza Motorsport series. Those are excellent. I can't. I can't yeah. get a game that has a good driving simulator or gives me as much pleasure as those ones for driving. And you know the Halo. I guess Halo and Gears. Those yeah. are the pillars that that are propping up Xbox right now. And I don't like. Uh, obviously, Halo is going to be launching Infinite. Halo Infinite is going to be launching with the new console or around that time. I just can't see. You know. The, the 343 or whoever is in charge of, of uh, gears just coming forward and going, oh, we got this new gears because they just had a game last year and it takes a long time to do development. And you know, on that front, that Warner Brothers, if that acquisition goes through, like what are we looking at? There's still a development cycle for a video game to actually get to that level for it to be, you know, you're two, three years out at the very minimum. And if they are working on games, they're just not going to up and cancel games without a penalty on other platforms. So there's just so much to consider, you know, with with all the rumors that are coming out. Um, and, you know, talking about the next generation of video games and video game consoles, there are a lot of rumors that PlayStation 5 production is going to be doubled because yep. of demand. We've seen so many reports come out that they've been halved, that they've been, you know, a percentage of what they were. Now we're seeing that they're being, they're actually doubled. So to make sure that anyone who wants a system can get a system for the holidays, that to me is yeah. just, just brilliant and great, great on Sony. Because, you know, um, I'm going to pick up at least one system for myself. Uh, and, and, you know, if I can get a second one for my nephew who I know is listening, that would be fantastic too. You know, you know, that, that kid has never bought a system on with his own money, but (laughs) you know, it's one of those things like, you know, (laughs) now, now we have options as opposed to, 
you know, one per family, and you're going to probably have to wait six months before you can buy a second one. So it's good to see that. Now, also with that, there's been a lot of speculation and and reports about when pre-sales will start, and people must be pissing off retailers uh, be, because, you know, there's no news right now about when pre-sales are going to open, uh, but there were a lot of statements, basically, and Sony said, hey, chill out, we're going to give you ample time for signups and pre-sales and things like that, so just be patient, you're going to have time, it's not going to just be a spur-of-the-moment thing, um, so, you know, it's kind of funny, because you can only imagine, you know, the, the phone calls going to customer service at various uh, websites, and then GameStop, and things like that, so it's just funny that Sony said, chill, oh. everyone. Yeah, and, you know, they're in a great place. You know, obviously, I think the concern was people wouldn't have the disposable cash to buy a new system, given all this COVID stuff. Now they're realizing with these record sales each month, like you pointed out, that there is some disposable cash. And basically, they're going to up the production off of the earlier fears that people just weren't going to buy it. So, you know, some of the quotes that I've seen from Sony are basically just saying, you don't even need to pre-order it. You're just going to be able to walk in and get it. There's going to be lots, yep. you know, so don't worry. Just everybody chill. There's going to be hardware to buy. We we want your money. And, and they're doing surveys as well, from what I hear, with people to try and get this price point, to try and figure out what the diskless version is going to be, what the disk version is going to be, how much money, what the discrepancy the market will tolerate, all that kind of market research. And I would also imagine that there's a lot of factories that aren't doing a lot right now that are probably loving this business. And maybe that's affecting the price of, of the product where they're able to get better deals for production, which drives the price down, right? Where they're able to say, hey, guess what? We're able to save $30 on each console due to uh, these production officers uh, off offers during COVID. So they might be able to $30 means uh, it might be you know, shrinkable to a $50 price point or something like that, or maybe more, who knows, right? Where Sony are able to take a beating. Well, and that's the thing, like, you know, Sony has obviously in the past taken a hit on every console sold. Um, and now with COVID, we just don't know what's kind of happening in that production realm of the world. For all that we know, they've been able to secure more pieces for a cheaper price. Um, which, you know, is a win-win for everyone, including the manufacturer of these p pieces and these parts. So, yeah, it's just like, I, I am so interested to see the price point, the dates, and just kind of, you know, where the next generation of gaming is going to be. And to be honest, like, I'm, in, I'm super interested to see what Microsoft plans to do, because I feel like right now their backs are against the wall. And they have, they, I'm sure they have a few aces up their sleeves, and I'm just interested to kind of see what those are, because I just don't believe in my heart, deep down, that they have given up, and that they are ready to lose the console war for a second generation before the next generation even begins. Yeah, they've got something up there. We'll find out this week. I think there's a an event happening. Yeah. So... We will have more. And it's funny because, like, as much information as Sony gave out, they're still waiting for Microsoft to announce more so that they can, like, wham us with, the, with more info. It's just I love the games yeah. that they're playing.
It's a cat and mouse right now. You know what? At the end of the day, with all this competition's good and we benefit as a customer. Yep. Prices are going to be down. Selection's going to be there. Titles are going to be there. But really, when it, when you get down the brass tacks about what system are you going to buy, you're going to buy the system that your friends are buying. And if your friends are buying Sony, guess what? I could be the biggest Xbox fan in the world. If I want to play with them, I'm going to be getting the Sony. Well, isn't you that know, technically that's what simple. happened? Like, yeah. you know, you went PlayStation 4 because at the time, you and I, you know, that's what we would always talk about. Yeah, and my other gaming crowd too, Mike and Mike, they were all, we had to lean one of the guys into the PS4 over yeah. the Xbox. But it was basically just so we could all play together. That was it. So that's that's the way consoles go. Yep. And, you know, Microsoft knows it. And I think that's why they can be a little, no matter what ace is up their sleeve, they know that they're going to stumble out of the blocks with this generation. But it's up. It's it's a marathon. So who knows, that you know, who's going to win it? Maybe this xCloud thing is going to be amazing. Maybe it's going to just absolutely suck, you know, and, and, and completely obliterate the market for needing a console at home if they're actually able to do what Stadia can't. I don't know. You know, and as well, Sony went to Microsoft and basically bought uh, all their online streaming kind of crap through Microsoft. So Microsoft is kind of laughing because, you know, they're getting money on the backside to provide Sony with its streaming service because they need their resources. So it, it kind of at the end of the day, Microsoft are probably still laughing to the bank. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about this in the past. I was nervous and scared. And now we're seeing it. But Suicide Squad fans have announced July 20th as hashtag release the air cut day. Oh, boy. Not happy. Not happy. This is exactly what we were afraid of. Yeah. There's going to be, you know, bring back Phil Lord and Chris Miller for solo. Yeah. I want to see the solo cut. Yeah. I want to see, you know, the all that spilt milk. <laughs> Listen, boys and girls and listeners everywhere, just because a movie was bad doesn't mean that it was because of the studio and the director having differences. Sometimes a movie is bad because it's just fucking bad. And I think we're all going to see, you know what, and I want to be wrong about this. I want in November yeah. or whatever the fuck it's going to happen, and I'm talking about the Snyder Cut, I want to be so wrong that I go on this show and I eat my words. But yeah. the skeptic in me is saying there was just so much against that movie to begin with. And let's, you know, and let's take a step back and see what's actually happening with this quote-unquote Snyder Cut. You know, there were so many rumors that it was people have seen it, that people this and people that, but the reality is, is that it never existed, you know? So they are literally yeah. taking feedback and making a new cut of the movie for, so that hopefully fans can appreciate it, can like it, you know, it's not. And, and the truth is we don't know whether it's going to be a, like a six hour movie, a mini series or what have you. We don't know any of that information yet, and there's no guarantee that it's going to be any better. Phil, there's a chance that it could be yeah. worse. Yeah, I I feared when I heard that they're doing <clears throat> supposed reshoots for it and stuff like that. 
and in, in injecting people like Ryan Reynolds as characters into the DC universe and stuff like like I've seen a lot of wild speculation, but I've also seen the idea that it's a miniseries like, you know, the Watchmen was that type of thing. And I'm like sitting there going, you know what, if I'm a true fan of this stuff and not to say that, you know, if you don't agree with me or not for my money, it's going to fuck up the, the the canon timeline as a DC fan, too, like <clears throat> especially bringing back. Certain characters I've seen, you know, in other enterprises that Michael Keaton's being brought back as Batman, that kind of stuff. And I don't know. It gets confusing when you start crossing the canyon and the nostalgia okay, factor so aside. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up, the whole Michael Keaton thing. Um, and that is because, you know, for those who haven't heard, there's a lot of rumors going around the um the entertainment world that Michael Keaton will be back in some shape, way, or form as Batman, Bruce Wayne. Um, you know, and, and how is he going to be shoehorned into the DC extended universe? And this goes back to something that you know I would always talk about in the previous incarnations of this show, and that is that you know, DC in the comics world is heavily built on the whole pre um, concept of the multiverse and having various mm -hmm. earths and whatnot. Um, and, you know, as we saw in the CW show, uh, you know, they were able to pull off the crisis of infinite earths with a lot of the various worlds. So even what, you know, the 1989 earth 89 was Batman, you know, the, we saw and we knew that that was the original um, Tim Burton Batman world. So DC as a whole is built on this concept of the multiverse and whatnot, and it can get really confusing. Um, and this is all new concepts that we haven't really seen in entertainment outside of comic books. So for the average viewer, all of this can be super confusing. But, you know, for someone who, like me, who is a DC fanboy, reads a lot of the comics and, you know, really loves the whole concept of the multiverse, it really opens up the door. And like I always said when the original you know when justice league came out was all of this can be retconned if they open up the multiverse um because you can change whatever you want uh, so right now the rumor is, is that michael keaton is going to be back to playing batman in the flashpoint movie uh which is the standalone flash movie um and for those of you who don't know the flashpoint uh um, series or comic book was essentially the end of the old DC era in 2011, right before in September of 2011, when the new 52 came out and retconned the entire DC universe and they started from scratch. So it's just interesting that, you know, here we are talking about Flashpoint. We have the Snyder Cut happening. Um, you know, there was a lot of rumor speculation that it would involve the multiverse down the road, especially with Apocalypse. Um, and now you have the DCEU, which to me, I've ne it's, it just seems, um, you know, re-energized. And, and there's a lot of hype around it. Henry Cavill says he's going to come back as Superman. Uh, so, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity from something that was destroyed. So we'll see. But it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with the DC extended universe. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see it as a fan. Um, obviously not as in-depth on DC as you, my friend. I want Henry to have the mustache, though. You know, I'm, I'm deep into that. Did you see him build a computer last week? 
<clears throat> yeah, I saw that, man. Uh, that, See, that, now I know how one. I look when I build a computer. I always wondered what I would look like, and now I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, and was it's 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 funny because I've seen a lot of slag on Yoss Whedon this week too. A lot of articles coming out that basically are complaining about his his personal habits on set or his uh, ego and stuff like that. It's interesting that this war is now going on with the Snyder cut to further try to, you know, discredit the guy who had to step in yeah. and, and, and make Justice League or give it a go, right? So, I don't know. It just feels like there's a lot of planted stories and a lot of information that are just trying to sway people into a certain mode yeah. to ingest their new content to but me it's interesting we'll that joss whedon went from like the the pinnacle nerd director to you know poison like you know actors have yeah. spoken out against him a lot of people gave him so much shit after avengers age of ultron came out um he did he picked up after the tragedy in snyder's life to finish justice league and put it out in theaters on time you know and he just he's gotten nothing but slack over the last several years and it's just crazy to see that like you know what as someone who was once held as a visionary for the inclusivity of women and 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 representation and all that fun stuff to uh you know almost a laughing stock and has been able to almost ruin two franchises being the avengers and justice league of all franchises too um you know, it's just it's it's just crazy how all of that is going and, and seeing all these stories come up. So, you know, I'm sure that there's more to it than than, you know, like Transformers. Yeah. There's more than meets the eyes. Yeah. Where there's smoke, there's fire when it comes to that kind of stuff. I get it. Like it can be rooted out of something. But uh, I it, I found it odd, too. I found it really bizarre. But I don't think he did bad on the Avengers. Uh, I, I don't even know that I think to illy of justice league it's it speaks to a bigger issue with the people calling the shots on dc in making the continuity and the universe feel right and production story all that stuff they have a lot of content that they can obviously use and i don't think they're using it wisely yes so you know as we're talking about multiverse and 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 tv and movies and all this and that you know i think we should talk a little bit about some of the shows that were planned to premiere on disney plus specifically uh falcon and winter soldier which was originally slated to debut in august of this year it has nope. been removed from the lineup we do not know when it will be uh coming out but, uh, yeah, it's obviously been delayed because of COVID-19. That's the assumption, at least. So I shouldn't say obviously. The assumption is that it's been delayed because of COVID-19. Um, and apparently that is the only show right now that has been moved out. Um, Wanda and Vision, uh, that is still slated. The Hawkeye show is still slated uh, for that time frame. But, uh, yeah, and Part of me also makes me wonder if there's, you know, a tie-in with the Black Widow movie, and that's the reason it kind of got silently moved out. Like, mm -hmm. we just don't know. Um, and the way that Marvel works, you know, one can make a lot of assumptions. So, yeah. Yeah, it's I've, I've been reading some articles as well about, or seeing some content, I guess, about the idea that um, the new Guardians being delayed because of James Gunn and, yeah. and Suicide Squad 2 
has kind of screwed up a lot of stuff in how they were going to roll out this phase of Marvel. And now they're going to have to go the Bucky route on Marvel and do the super serious movies uh, as, as the, as the, the, the role instead of wanting to open with the rocket side and be the zany space stick kind of more offbeat characters, they're going down the serious path now yeah. and they're going to finish up with this spacey weird stuff. So I think that there was a whole play in there to get Galacticus or whoever it is, right. Yeah. To, to reprise this role. And now they have to go with the gritty route, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. We will see what happens. It, it, it's kind of disappointing though, because I, I think Disney plus are lacking a lot of serious content there when it comes to fresh, when you look at Netflix now, you know, the gloves are off. Netflix were perfectly poised for a lot of production stuff to get done. And Disney uh, dragged their feet. Wasn't sure. Yep. You know? A lot of the things that were slated to come out, like really in terms of original content, you had Mandalorian. That was the major selling point of Disney Plus to begin with. And, you know, you had their library. But at some point, they're going to need to come out with their own fresh content. And yeah, you had, you know, some of their theatrical releases move to Disney Plus. You had Hamilton. But, you know, from a, you know, from, from, from a geekdom point of view, they have a lot of work to still do. You know, you're even seeing Amazon Prime pump out a lot of exclusive. You have The Boys Season 2 coming out soon. Um, Hulu, you have a lot of exclusives coming out. So really, Disney Plus has to do something before they get lost in the shuffle because you have Peacock, the NBC streaming service that came out, kind of, I guess, silently to mixed reviews last week. Um, so, you know, this is so much right now and, and content is key for all of these streaming services. And, you know, all things considered, Disney being Disney, having and owning everything that they do, it's... Um, a little concerning for me to see how far behind they are in the exclusivity realm. Yeah. And they banked, like they told people, take it to the bank. You know, you're going to have Falcon winter soldier and all this stuff. Like they, they sold it based on off of a lot of those titles. And then they, they, they went aggressive as well. Obi-Wan, uh, a lot of stuff that way on the Star Wars front. And then Obi-Wan got delayed because of writing issues and things like that. You know, I don't think it was had anything to do with COVID. It just, I think they just kind of sat down and said, holy shit, this is getting out of control. Yeah. Our storylines, our, our content is just getting yeah. too fractured. And Clone Wars, as good as Clone War was, you know, it's not technically selling subscriptions to people. It, for me, it's an added bonus. But I didn't get Disney Plus yeah. just because of Clone Wars, as much as I loved it. You know, that's yeah. the reality and they, for they've me. They've got the new show, The Bad, the Bad Batch, Batch, coming up now, yep. too. Yep. You know, so good on them for keeping that, like, you know, keeping in that time frame and trying to tell some more compelling stories with some characters that we we got out of the, you know, the end of the Clone Wars. But I agree, like, th that kind of stuff is kind of softball. It's it's supportive of the bigger titles that we all wanted to see, you know, and, and, and really get involved in the complexity of being able to tell these stories in a weekly series versus trying to digest it in two hours. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a tough one. I think, you know, Disney aren't to blame for anything, uh, obviously, with COVID or whatever the reasons are. You know, I definitely support them pulling back on Star Wars to get the right approach versus trying to forge ahead with crap. Right. We all don't want that. So 
they're doing what we want. It's just it's just something's got to give in this situation. And Disney Plus, I'm thinking about cutting some streaming services because I just got too many. And Disney Plus kind of sits at the chopping block right now because I'm like, how many times can I watch The Simpsons? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? All right, so we do have a little bit of comic news before we wrap up this part of the show. Um, so Keanu Reeves has announced that he will be kind of in a comic book at Boom Studios. Uh, so Matt Kind of Mind um, MGMT Management Creator <laughs> um, and Keanu Reeves, they are going to team up uh, to release Berserker. So BRZRKR, which will launch on October 7th, which will be a monthly series with art by Alessandro Vitti. Um, so I saw some concept art and it, it's Keanu Reeves on paper. What more can you ask for? Um, and I, I like the name Berserker, man. Yeah, uh, and, Kevin Smith. Yeah. That, that clerk soundtrack, Berserker. <laughs> and Boom Studios has a deal with Netflix, so I can see something happening there uh. in the future. Um, American Vampire is one of my most favorite comic books. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque. It's come out, I believe they've already had three, I guess, um, volumes the final chapter is coming out and it's american vampire 1976 and i absolutely love this tale because it reminds me of the of, of interview with a vampire you kind of see these characters progress throughout time um you know you have a good guy you have a bad guy and it's kind of the fight between the two and various uh locations various times and you know it's such a beautiful like uh, comic book art wise and with scott snyder of batman fame writing it so i can't wait for that to come out um and it's kind of like this is the end of of this of this legacy so it'll be kind of be cool to see where they go with that and the last bit of news in the comic book front is a little sad for me because uh dc has announced that issue number 50 of batgirl will be the series finale for now of this run this volume of batgirl and uh that comes out later on this year, I believe it's October, um, and it's going to be a extra-sized, um, you know, post-Joker Wars uh, run, and then we'll see kind of what happens with the Barbara Gordon character. Of note cool. is that also Harley Quinn is ending, so you have Batgirl and Harley Ooh. Quinn ending at the same time, so I can kind of see some possibilities, but we will see, and that's supposed to come out, like I mentioned in october so that's a little bit of comic news there um phil do you have anything before we wrap things up i'm gonna give you my animal crossing update i absolutely <laughs> don't want to hear it but i'm sure our listeners do all right so i got the stupid puppy dog to play the concert on my island i finally decided to address the elephant in the room that i've been avoiding and i got my island up to three stars from one star <laughs> so apparently I didn't have enough people living on the island. This game doesn't tell you shit as far as how to play it. So I'm like, all right. So now I, I kid you not, I sent Boris a screenshot. I have a fucking guy that moved in. He's a pig named Boris. <laughs> Life <laughs> imitating art. Love it. And yeah. In the most classic Boris way. 
the first encounter I have with him, he goes, hey, how you doing, Phil? And I'm like, okay, you know, you, you have very limited dialogue options with him. And then basically he goes, oh, I think I left my stove on. Do you think I left my stove on? Do I have a stove? <laughs> I feel like we've had this conversation at some point in time, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and I also did another thing that I don't know. This is a funny update, but my one guy walks around saying phrases all the time and he asked me to give him a new phrase. So I thought, okay, it's me playing on my island by myself. I'm not connected to anything. I gave him a new phrase and I didn't know what the filters would be like. So I said, bum plug. All right. So I thought it would be funny because seeing him use these phrases in other ways, I just thought it would be funny to just see the occasional bum plug word come up when he's talking. And then he turns to me and he says, hey, Phil, bum plug. I like that. I think every time I think of bum plug, I'm going to think of you. <laughs> bum plug, bum plug. There you are. And he put a whole screen of bum plug across. Amazing. So I just thought. The AI is just completely whacked on this. And now the guy's walking around and convincing all my other island residents to use the word bum plug with me. So, yeah. Fucking animal crossing, animal crossing, everybody. Motherfucking Animal Crossing. That's crazy. Well, that is that. I don't, I, I don't even know what to say sometimes. I hey, really don't. I do. I do. All right. I want everybody out there to... Visit us at www.itscanon.com. It's Canon Podcast. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us at It's Canon Podcast. Email at show at itscanonpodcast.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere where you find podcasts. And make sure to click and like us and give us a review. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for everyone who has left reviews, everyone who does subscribe. I hope that you're having as much fun listening to the show as Phil and I have creating it for you. The reality is that we create the show for ourselves. If anyone else listens, that's a plus. So thank you to all of our listeners and everyone who does send feedback. I really do appreciate it. And I, you know, I love doing this show. I really do. It's been on my life on and off for five years. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of like a, a geeky therapy session for me. So I, I really do enjoy it. Um, so on Wednesday, we are going to have part two of this week's episode where Phil and I are joined by Lauren Stone of Toy Wizards. She's the editor-in-chief out there. And we talk about all things toys. It's a fantastic conversation. You're, you're going to absolutely love it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun time. We talk about toys in regards to kind of our holy grails. We talk about Funko and kind of where they stand. We talk about exclusivity in the toy market and whether that actually hurts things. We kind of talk also about, um, you know, just generally what we like and what we don't like in regards to toy sales and to collecting toys. Um, but that's all for now. We Thank you so much for listening. It show would not be possible without listeners like you. So thank you so much. I'm Boris. He's Phil. And that is the It's Canon Podcast. Thank you. <laughs>